Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to A View from the Bullens in partnership with the Fitzrovia Bell London, our official away day pub for all Evertonians. And fanscapes.co.uk, made by fans for fans. Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Ben Winstanley, Michael Ball and Jack Kemp. Ben, Everton faced a difficult trip to Molyneux on Monday night to face Wolves. How important is it now that this Everton team and Rafa Benitez get a reaction after two straight defeats? It's another massive game, shall we say, that we need to bounce back immediately and I was obviously speaking to you off air there, Mick. I can't believe the resurgence of Wolves. I remember seeing about a couple of two, three weeks ago that they hadn't scored a goal, that they were near off the bottom of the table, hadn't picked up a point. And then suddenly, I've looked again today, not realised they're only a point behind us, sitting in 11th place. 
somehow winning four along the along the road draw and one and losing four. So again, their manager had them playing really, really well. And if you look at obviously the XGA stats, they were creating a lot, a lot of chances and not scoring early on in the season. But they seem to have got the shooting boots on again. They went to Aston Villa, the 2-0 down, showed real commitment, resilience and determination to get that back to 3-2. Beat Newcastle at home 2-1, beat Southampton away 1-0. So they, they, they've sort of like got a bit of a run of, run of games together now. And obviously, they went to Leeds like we didn't do one all. So they're playing really good football. They've got a lot of pace. They've got obviously Jimenez back five and Adama Traore who may not have the end product but causes defence real, real issues. And him against Lucas Dean on Monday night really, really worries me personally. Obviously, Dean hasn't been his best going forward and you're going to leave a lot of gaps behind. And when you got someone with the absolute acceleration and pace as Traore has, he's going to call you real, real issues. So it's imperative that Everton's set up in a way that we can prevent any rapid counter-attack and it's going to be, we're not going to off the ball, I think. I think I remember last year when when we went to Wolves, we play, played a bit of a false nine. I think it was Hammers that was up, up front on his own. We kind of played like a, a four six zero. I think the system we kind of played, but we went there, we got the we got the three points, we won 2-1, um, and obviously even a Wobie score. But their team throughout, they got obviously Matinho, then Donker, Stamedo, out Nori at left back. He's a he's a really decent looking left back. Him. Um, they signed Huang on loan. Who I was banging the drum on. Um, obviously Matthew Neal on this podcast. Me and him have spoke about Huang for a number of years. And obviously he's another player that we were looking at last January when we obviously inevitably signed Josh King. So I hope to God he doesn't do a Josh King on on Monday night and put balls in the back of the net again because it's it, it is another big game. If if we end up losing this after the weekend set of results, we could be sitting in the bottom half of the table and then it really starts to get a bit toxic, shall we say. The next two games now are massive. We had a, a podcast, probably two or three podcasts ago, talking about the Watford, Wolves, Tottenham game and I was banging on about, well, we can get nine points or seven points, it'd be great, but now I'm hoping for four out of these next two games. We need to somehow get a performance on Monday and we somehow need to get a performance against Tottenham at home and it's going to be difficult um, some of them players on Saturday were a disgrace. Um, some of the, like like we've said, there's ways to lose, but some of the tackles that were getting thrown in, some of the bottle, bottling tackles, which is not good enough, really, really not good enough. And to implode with 12 minutes to go is just unacceptable for me. Um, conceding four goals in 12 minutes in the last game, which just shows a real lack of understanding, as it shows panic stations and mental strength and determination to grit out and see how the results. And that's concerning. It's very worrying because I think one of the lads on the last pod I was listening to, a great point. It's not the first time this has happened. It's not the first time that we've shipped five goals. So, yeah, they need to bounce back. We'll be there again Monday, cheering them on from the stands. So I hope they give a performance that we can get behind and get a bit of confidence and a bit of love back for the Everton that we all love. But look, the injuries haven't helped. The, basically, the spine of our team has gone. Yerry Mina, our best centre-half. Decore, our best central midfielder. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, our best striker. So with them free mission, it's going to be difficult with whoever we come up against. With one of them missing, it's going to be difficult because we haven't quite got the squad yet to come in and bolster that first eleven when it's injured. Because on paper, the first eleven's really, really good. The squad's terrible, going to be honest. It's not very good at all. You looked at that bench on Saturday and there was no real options. 
hopefully a few young lads get put in the mix on Yango looks like he could be potentially be in the squad so we'll see how this sets up Mick I'm just hoping for a massive response fingers crossed we can get some sort of result to get the fans back on side Jack one win in six for this Everton team and Rafa Benitez how important is it now that this team and Rafa get a reaction on Monday you'd expect if you know we don't get a good result at Wolves and then we face Tottenham at home just before the international break, it could it could become, couldn't it, very very toxic very quickly. Yeah, every every Premier League defeat um, comes with pressure, of course it does. But for Rafa, there's added pressure because there's certain aspects of the fan base that are not happy. I think that he is manager of Everton Football Club, and they're obviously waiting for him to you know go on maybe a bit of a bad run, um, so they can sort of jump on his back. But as you guys spoke about in the previous part, and I know Ben's just touched upon it then, the result against Watford, yes, there might have been some debatable substitutions um, and, and people might argue maybe the setup of the team wasn't right and Richarlison should have started, and I get all that. But I'm sure it was you, Mick, who said on the pod that at no level of football, and I'm not even talking about professional football here, just at amateur football, you shouldn't concede four goals in 12 minutes. You, you just shouldn't. It's completely unacceptable. Players, um, there's very little you can do, I think, as a manager when you see your team um, sort of shapeless and characterless for those sort of 12 minutes. It's very difficult to get messages onto the pitch to shore things up. It's about players being leaders. And, and I'm, again, I know it was spoke about on the previous part about shoring things up keeping it at 2-2, still had 10, 15 minutes to go to try and then win the game. Um, but of course, if, if Everton do lose at Wolves, then it'll be three defeats on the spin. Um, it'll be then one win in seven, which then has added pressure. Um, but Everton needs stability. So even if they do lose on Monday and then they play Spurs the following weekend and that result doesn't go their way, Everton have got to get out of this sacking managers every sort of, you know, 12 to 18 months. We need a bit of stability now. So, um, Rafa's got my backing. Borley, coming off the back of a poor result against Watford, obviously the defeat at, at home to West Ham as well. At what point do you think the board might start to get itchy fingers? Do you think a poor result on Monday and going into the Spurs game, do you think the board might start feeling the pressure? No, I don't. No, and I hope not. Um, as Jack mentioned there, you know, we're getting into the big games now where the big boys are, are kicking in a bit of form. Teams around us who are going to be fighting for the same positions as us in the league, uh, they're hitting form. You know, we're playing Wolves away. That they, they, you know, as Ben said, they, they've hit form right now and they're, they're firing the guy up front, he Chan, who we were interested in. And for one reason or another, we never pressed the buttons to bring him to the football clubbies. I think he scored four goals in six. But what happened uh, last week, you know, we were we all had our frustrations after the game, social media on here, and it's because we keep on seeing the same type of performances uh, year on year. That's the frustration side, and that's nothing to do with the manager. You know, we were 12, 13 minutes away from being fourth. You know, so even though it wasn't pretty, it was close, but the fine margins and the way we waved the white flags, um, as Jack said, the players basically went off script. You know, it's not to do with the manager. The players took it from themselves and and it never worked. 
and they need to start learning to listen to the manager. Maybe they go off script every so often and it, and it works in their favour and they think they can do it again, but it's not the first time these players have, have, have let us down and they've conceded four or five goals. So upstairs, we need stability, uh, not just for the first team, but going down from your know, under-23s in the academy that we wanted an identity. Um, these players want an identity, under-23s want an identity of a pathway into the first team. What does the manager looking for? What what what's he want from? What type of player does he want to bring to the football club? When you keep on swapping managers, it doesn't just hurt the first team; it hurts the whole club internally as well. So yeah, it's still early days, but you know we started pretty well. But this is where we're going to be. You know, the fans are going to start judging. You know, every time you lose, we 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 sound our frustrations out. We've had back to back defeats, and we've had more time. Um, before this game to work on the training field for, for Raf and his coaching staff to, to drill into the players what he's after. Our decision-making needs to be better on the ball. Uh, as Ben said, I don't think we're going to be, you know, have a lot of the ball. Possession-wise this season, it's been, it's been woeful. But we're away from home. We probably don't need to be on the front foot. We can be cap, be organised, as Rafa keeps on explaining in his press conference, that we need to be organised. And, and with our forward-thinking players, that we can we can break uh, break them on the attack and create opportunities and goals. So um, it's always difficult if you get beat again. Uh, there's always question marks and obviously the Rafa situation, it, it seems to sort of go tenfold. But look, we need calm heads. Fans, we need to be patient. Um, injuries has really hurt us badly. Um, and we need to sort of stick together as a fan base in the club and, and bounce back. And the players need to be the ones to start that off by putting in a top performance um, against a good side who've got very key players who can hurt any team um, so we've got to be switched on you know our full backs have got to stop crosses we've got Triori against Digne I'm not looking forward to that challenge um, Digne needs to start focusing on defending uh, both full backs need to focus on defending and let our forward players create opportunities for us and hopefully that will happen away from home uh, they can sit tighter be deeper and then get forward if and when it allows not just keep bombing forward and creating gaps because we know you know Neves can control the whole game Triori is very dangerous when he's run Simenez and he channeled front could cause a problem so we've got to be switched on Mean is still a doubt which is a is a pity but it's a Massive opportunity for the players to bounce back and show the character and the leadership skills that, you know, I keep on mentioning that the lack of, that to prove me wrong, you know, an opportunity for you is to prove us wrong and, and bounce back and give us a bit of confidence going into the Spurs game. Mm, ben, do you expect Everton to maybe go back to basics now, conceding five against Watford? We didn't look particularly great at times defensively against, against West Ham, especially in the first half. So are you expecting Rafa and this team to maybe go back to basics and keep it tight defensively and be organised on Monday? Well, it's clear to see that Alan and, and um, Davis cannot play in, in a two, in a four-four-two formation. Um, it just didn't work. I think the miss of the core does two, two men's work in there when he plays in the two because he's everywhere, isn't he? He's an engine, he's a monster. He, he literally does the work of two players in there. So it, it does give Alan the freedom. So obviously, shit, the Corey bombs forward. But Alan, Alan, Alan and Davis haven't got that power, explosiveness, speed to actually get us up the pitch, get us on the front foot, win balls higher up. So we were getting pinned back against Watford. And some of them tackles that were going in were, were shocking. Like I touched on earlier, it was really, really, really poor. Terrible, in fact, and it was just sickening. So I, I, I'm expecting to try and, which 
which I'm going to touch on again, by the way. I've, we tr- I've, it's got to the point now where we've stuck up for the likes of Rondon and Tom Davis, for example. Me included, I said about Rondon, give him a chance. Thought it would be quite a shrewd signing off the bench. Obviously, he's doing... He's playing 90 minutes, which I think was the wrong decision on Saturday. I'm just touching on Saturday. I, I do think Benitez got that one wrong in regards to the substitutions now. I've been thinking we were 2-1 up. The whole crowd could see that we needed to shore up that midfield. We needed an extra man in there again. We needed somebody in there just to come on and control the game. Now, one, does Benitez not trust the likes of Gabamon? Obviously, there was a great article on the Liverpool Echo this week um, explaining that Gabamon's not really been up to speed in training. So maybe there's no trust there. Or second, was he protecting Rondon, leaving him on to not get any booze or jeers coming off? Or because it, it was going to happen because he had a really poor game. So I, I can't defend him in that respect anymore. Um, so I don't want to see him starting going forward. So I, I do expect potentially either a 5-3-2 or 4-5-1 with three, obviously three centre midfielders this time or the wing-backs with three, with three centre-halves. Because tactically, we haven't got the players fit enough to be playing a formation that Benitez wants to do where we, we counter. I also, in fact, don't like Damari Gray in the 10 position. It might cause some issues. People not agree with me, but he's wasted out there. He's so technically good and he's so brilliant at getting past players and using his speed and attributes that he can just glide past players. And when he's in the, the 10 position just behind the striker, he's closed down by two. He's got two centered halves on him. And he's also got a midfielder dropping him. So he's, he's in essence getting marked out the game. And that's not what he's about. He's a winger with pace. He will be direct and quick and go around fullbacks. And we're going to need that, I, I feel, on Monday night to actually get us the chances. So it's just who comes in. Obviously, you've got Tom Davis, Gabam and Allen floating around. And obviously, Onyango knocking about from the under-23s, who obviously, you think, obviously, Borley and others will know more. But... The word coming out from Goodison is that he is a very, really good player with very natural attributes, very physical. He's got height on his side, and he's not. He's prepared to get stuck in. So there's real high hope for him going forward. So does he get the nod? Obviously, he's been training with the first team. He's on the regular training pitches. Does he get the nod? Does he? Does he have a go? I just want to see a bit of a change up. I feel like the four four two is a bit flat, um, especially against Watford. I felt like we were quite lucky to go two one up at the time. And then to not see it out, that was on Benitez for me. And that's probably the first time I've questioned his substitutions and tactics. For such a tactical manager, not to make, not to see that was a bit like, oh, come on, Rafa, you're better than that. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I feel like we need to stop the overlaps. Obviously, they play free at the back. Connor Cody's really good on the ball. He's very good at getting the ball out of his feet and playing really good long balls. Obviously, you've got Semedo on the right, who, who's, who's a real right wing back. And obviously, that Nuri who plays left back, really good overlapping fullback again. So, they seem to use their fullbacks advantageously to go down the wings, spread the play and get the ball in. So, obviously, Yehuang and Jimenez and Adama just has free roll to drift from the right and left wing and cause real issues. So, it's good. we're going to have to think with injuries. We, we can't allow them to be worrying about what we're going to do. I feel like we've got, we haven't got so many injuries that we're going to have to go with a game plan to stop them, if that makes sense, not the other way around. So, I'd be looking to stack the midfield and try and prevent them from using the wings to overlap and then hopefully try and hit them, get them Ari Gray in those little pockets with Charles and Townsend and break again, like we have been where we performed so well, especially at Brighton away. 
So hopefully to go back towards that next which will be extremely difficult. But I cannot, I cannot and will not accept some efforts and determination from players. And if they don't don't do it again, if they don't move, I think a lot of fans are just had, had enough of them because I've tried to be kind to Rondon. I've tried to give him a chance, and I don't. I really don't like slagging off players. I don't. But his performances so far have not been good enough, and it's over two months now where for fitness and fitness and training, and it's just not working. So I don't want to see him starting on Monday night. Jack, a forgotten man at Everton right now is Mason Holgate. With Everton struggling defensively, Yerimina struggling to get fit. Do you think now is maybe the right time to reintroduce Mason Holgate? You know, there's been calls for for that to happen. Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey are hardly forging a solid partnership. What what, what are your thoughts on Mason Holgate at the moment? Um, it's a tricky one, Mick, to bring him in from the cold because he's not really played very much football. Um, but if you're going to go three at the back um, and sort of match Wolves up, because that's what they'll do, um, then options are so limited. You'd have to bring Holgate in. Um, I don't think I would personally. I would go. I, I agree with Ben. I would go with three in midfield. Um, I've just looked, and, and Wolves tend to play three centre backs, wing backs. They'll have probably Neves and Moutinho in midfield who aren't really known for having legs and being athletic. You know, Moutinho, I think, is about 36 now. Very good, technically gifted player. And Neves, but they're not particularly powerful and athletic in midfield. So I think if we can get three in there, especially with, with the absence of Decore, um, it, it will just shore things up, maybe. Um, you know, I, I know I've spoke to you, Mick, of um, the big concern would be Traore. Um, he is obviously very powerful, very athletic. And if he gets behind the midfield and in between midfield and defence, I would then be concerned about him running at Everton's back four, um, especially if he gets, say, Michael Keane on the turn, um, because I wouldn't say there's many defenders really who can match his power and pace. Um, but again, agree with Ben. I, I, Damari Gray, I want him out wide, um, get him isolated with the full back. Um, he looks like he can he can beat any fullback at the minute. I, I don't particularly like him in the number ten role because I think you lose his pace. Um, so I, I would go four three three. Who you have in that three in midfield is questionable. Um, I'm not sure if Andre Gomez will be fully fit. Um, but again, lack of options. Alan will play Tom Davis, and, and it's probably one of Gabamin or Gomez. Um, and then maybe a front three of Townsend, Richarlison and Gray, potentially. I think that's what I'd go with. Bawley moving away from Wolves away on Monday night. A lot of talk this week has been over Jose Baxter. I believe Jose Baxter has actually been at the football club for a little while. But the, the, the general conversation and talk is how many previous Everton players are at the football club in a coaching role and are they fit for the job and are they the best men for the job? What are your thoughts? I know you came through the academy and you've worked with within the 23s and I know you know a little bit about Jose Baxter. Briefly, you've spoken to him about his, his own career. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you think Everton are just... Is it a jobs for the boys mentality? Or are these people maybe the best for the job? You know, Can you give us an insight on this one? Well, yeah, I don't know Jose Baxter. Um, but I've had communications with him for the, the numerous years trying to help him prolong his, his football career. And all I know from... His side is, you know, he's been at the club for quite a few years. Um, Everton aren't the only club, every club in the in the league 
they have ex-players. Um, we have, you know, Paul Tate, who was at the academy a long time ago when I was there. Uh, Phil Jevons has now moved on. Ferry Jeffers has moved on. Uh, if you talk about the big boys, uh, we've had you know, Sheedy, Duncan's worth Stubbs in the past. There's, there's many, and there's many more I've, I've missed out there. But every club does it. Southampton, Man United are probably the, the main ones who monopolise and bring a lot of them back to the football club to, to keep the, the identity. But how it works really is um, you do your coaching badges. Um, and if you haven't got a job, they're very difficult to get because you need to put your hours in. You need to be involved in a team. And clubs are, are very good at this because clubs and coaches inside the, cl- the club like to see other outsiders of coaches coming in because they're learning. Every coach and managers learn each and every week. And, you know, I started doing my badges very many, many moons ago. And, you know, I got offered to go back to a few clubs um, just to show my experience, what I've learned from other clubs, PSV, Rangers and City, whatever, if there's anything they can pick up on. And the way it works is you, you've got to do your hours before you get assessed. The, the club will open a door and, and let you, you know, show what you, you're capable of. Play, being a player is one thing. Being a coach is totally different. Um, you can have all the ability in the world, but it's, it's how you put it across. You put it across the right way. Are people learning uh, from yourself? And and that could take up to two years, roughly. Uh, and this is all free. Um, it's helping both parties, the club and the and the player, to get his experience in, in coaching different age levels. And, and that's what Jose's been doing. He's just one of a number of uh, ex, ex-players and, and coaches at the club. And, and it's only when an opportunity um, comes available. It may be because Franny left and, and Jevo left. There's a, an opportunity there to, to bring him in. And so he's, he's obviously impressed um, doing what he's doing for the club to offer him because he can offer that to numerous of people. And I think the frustration is because of the, the poor results um, we, we look for the things to blame or throw our frustrations elsewhere but you know he's obviously earned that uh, throughout the club um, he has got experience you know, good and bad um, that he can mentor the the players in and around him um, but they all have you know a lot of clubs have mentors now uh, not just coaches in the football club to, to develop our, our youth and our academy and hopefully you know in a few weeks we'll, we'll probably talk in depth a bit more about our academy and our under-23s and you know um, about that situation but yeah it's just it's the norm you know and there's, I don't understand that the big aesthetics maybe because we've had that bad result and frustration of the club being too nice you know the people's club and his job for the boys but no luckily he would have to earn it to get off of you know, he would be doing it for nothing. So for the club to start paying him and, and give him a proper role, he's obviously showing uh, some good ability. Um, and as I said, like the major boys at West Ham, Spurs, Man United, even my ex-team, PSV, you know, they're all big boys, you know, like Hesseling to Koku. But that, it's at a sort of different level where they get the major guys in, the certain roles, they get their experience. So only when they start showing what they're capable of, when they, they improve and go to the next level and go up. And it's not just, big players, you know, it's players who are sort of on the fringes and probably never made it, but they know the identity of the club. And I think that's what Jose's probably got for him. He knows what it's like to be a young kid to break through and get that pathway. He knows the pitfalls more than probably anybody else. Um, but look, it's, it's, but it's down to his coaching. If his coach is not up to scratch, the club wouldn't have offered him his opportunity. Um, and yeah, that, that's all I can really say on it. That's all I know from my side, looking outside, looking in. Um, you know, and I knew Jose wanted to start playing his, you know, keep playing his, um, 
you know, his football. Um, he got opportunities to go and play football down south, but his main priority was to to stay at Everton in his coaching world that he had last season. And, you know, he come out and made a statement that he had to retire um, because he didn't want to lose the, the huge opportunity Everton offered him. So, yeah, it's good for him, but he's got to start showing um, the, the faith back into the club, you know, with to being very patient with Jose and hopefully, you know, his coaching does start you know, improving the lads to the pathway to the first team. Mm, Jack, we are an independent podcast and, you know, we always say we're just normal fans and we're from the fans, for the fans and, and everything that goes with it. So so where do you sit with this one? Do you think it's, you know, when we're not doing so well as a first team, we all look as fans to find out the reasons why and that's why maybe we target maybe the under-23s or coaches or recruitment teams. Where do you sit with this one? Do you think if the first team were going well, this whole Jose Baxter conversation would even be happening? Um, or, or do you think, no, you know what, this, this, these conversations do need to happen and um, you know we need the best people for the jobs in the right positions and whether they're former players or not, the club are a multi-million pound business and they have got to get these decisions right, whoever they upset along the way. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with Borley, really. Um, I'm not placed to be able to comment on Baxter's coaching skill set. Um, if Everton had won 5-2 at the weekend, there probably wouldn't be any um, hoo-ha about it at all. and it, it probably wouldn't get any sort of um, social media attention. But, you know, on the back of losing... Five to any decision that the club makes is going to be scrutinised. Of course, it is. Um, and, and like I said, you can, you can only hope what Borley says Everton will do is, is is sort of correct in terms of if his coaching is good enough, then he'll he'll that that's why he's been given the job. And if it's not up to scratch, then you know he wouldn't be there for too long. Um, but I, I wouldn't read too much into it personally. Um, I know in previous podcasts we spoke about the lack of um, players coming through the academy and the under-23 setup and the issues with it. Um, but I, I think this sort of um, appointment of Baxter is, is, a, is a separate issue, really. Um, and like I said, I think it's just because it's on the back of a 5-2 defeat. Um, and I'm, I'm not really going to read too much into it myself. Um, I think at the minute, Everton... I've got far more important and bigger concerns than appointing a, a former player to sort of the under-23s or the youth setup. Mm, ben, I can imagine you have a lot to say about this and I know you were quite vocal on social media over the last coming days over the under-23s and, and Jose Baxter's appointment. So now you've had a bit of time to think about it in more depth. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on it all? Yeah, if you listen back to podcasts previously, I've always had a bit of a gripe with under-23s um, I think a football club should be run to be successful at every single level. Um, at the end of the day, we're a multi-million pound business and players from the bottom to the top, if we are coached and get the right ability, can actually produce revenue for the club. You've only got to look at that shower over the road, over the park, who seems to produce these players and get astronomical fees for them, who seems to be knocking on the door all the time. You see, and they went to Preston North End this week, and played a few really young kids and they looked tidy. They looked like they could step into the first team on Saturday. I know they only played the championship side, but we go to QPR and we can't put anyone in because of just what's going on. Now, the Josie Baxter news, look, he's been through ups and downs in football. 
He really, really has. And I'm made up for him on a personal level, obviously, that he's turned his life around. Um, he's looking in for his coaching. And that, like Bawley said and Jack has said, that he could be a potential role model for players to, to maybe not lead them down the wrong path, not make these bad life decisions. But my, my gripe is, Mick, is obviously, you know, Francis Jeffers, Ebrill, Ferguson, Unsworth, Baines, Baxter. And like you said before, is it a job for the boys? If if the under-23s got this model where we got ex-players into the club and we had an academy player coming through every two two to three years and they were really good standard, we could either A, get revenue for them or B, they were pushing the fair seamers for their spots, meaning that we could potentially save money in the transfer markets and or invest it with their sales. Now, the current model for me isn't working and I don't think David Unsworth's doing a particularly good job either. I don't think the right decisions are being made at that level. I think a lot of them players should be out on loan now. Um, and I think a few of the players should either A, be sold because they're just not good enough um, or B, given that experience elsewhere. So un- unless these ex players are either absolutely superb, superb coaches and... <laughs> Look, it's just not happening for me. It really, really isn't. And I, it's not a personal gripe with Baxter. It really, really isn't. My my issue is success should be earned and not just given. Now, if they go away and perform, like maybe a lower league, get some coaching. I don't mind them coming to Everton doing the coaching badges. I really, really don't. I think it's a really good thing that we do. But to be given a role within a, a massive, massive business, which at the end of the day, we run like, an absolute circus, by the way. It's just the figures, the facts are unbelievably horrendous. So it doesn't start at under 23 level, goes bottom to top. Let me just get that point right. So if we have this model going forward, the way that we can just obviously produce these players, get coaches in, get people who've, who've gone away and proved themselves at lower leagues, people speak really high of them and they come in and do a job for Everton. I can get behind that. I really, really can. Now, people have made reference, obviously, Jürgen Klopp and Ragnik from Leipzig going away in different ways. They obviously went away and got this opportunity first thing. And look, I don't know, Jose's Baxter style of coach. He could be the best coach on the planet, and I honestly hope he is. But the current model we've got set up at Everton isn't working. I really, really don't think it's working. And I don't know if that's the, the case of getting the, the lads back in, the old players, in to come and do this coaching and Look, it's a re- I, I just want success, Mick. I really, really want success. And some academies, you know, Crystal Palace, they just set up an amazing academy there. Um, and obviously, you look obviously the London clubs, they get a lot of raw talent through. We've had Anthony Gordon, who who's performing really well up to now, um, but he's still up in the air when obviously the first team has come back. Is he going to be knocking on the door still? Tom Davis, we've all said, is not good enough. John Joe Kenny, we've all said, is not good enough. I think you'd probably argue the last decent footballer we got out the academy was probably Ross Barkley. Um, and how many years ago was that? Now, I just want us to have a setup where players are pushing to get them spots, pushing to generate revenue and pushing for success going forward. And I'm just really frustrated with, with the setup. Look, I hope to God in two years' time, I, I'll be looking at my Twitter and going, I look like an absolute idiot here. And I really hope I do. Hand on heart, I hope I look like an idiot. 
but history is repeating itself. I just don't think David Unsworth's doing a good job. I don't think he, he should be accountable for the lack of coaching and managerial advice for these young kids because the likes of like Bramthwaite and other players, they should they should be out on loan now for me, getting that experience, getting that experience under the belt come, and then come back to Everton with that lower league um, experience under the belt. So, as you can tell, I'm, just, I'm quite frustrated with it all, but like I said, I hope I'm proved wrong. No, Ben, like, I echo everything you said because that's what we want for our football club. You know, we want us to produce, we had a history of producing youngsters and we want that to continue. And I remember the situation we've had since Machinery's coming in, it's not just about the coaching. Um, the coaches will get the blame, and um, maybe so, but it's also a, a big part of, of the situation is recruitment and the catchment area that we're in. And hopefully we'll talk about this in another podcast one day because the coaches are there. They're the ones who've, you know, I've got to mentor the kids and develop them ready to get a pathway. But if your pathway is blocked through money, um, through managers changing systems and they don't fit that style anymore, that's always difficult. But it's always down to recruitment from lower academy level all the way up to your 23s. And, you know, we recruited DCL in, um, you know, and he's, he's worked out well. But that's just, it's all down to recruitment as well as coaching. So you can't just blame the coaching side of things. It's the, the close recruitment level, which we know, you know, that's changed a lot since the Walsh and Brands day. So we'll probably go in depth in a, in a few weeks about regarding the, the situation. But there's a, a lot of departments that need improving, you know, for those fans to start getting excited again. Mm, yeah, we, we certainly will be doing a, a, an episode and a special episode regarding the under-23s, the academy, and all the way down and all the way through the club very, very soon. In the meantime, Everton faced that difficult trip to, to Wolves on Monday night and it's now prediction time. Jack... I'll come to you first. What is your prediction for, for Wolves v Everton on Monday night? Um, for Wolves, looking at Wolves' results, home form is an issue for them. Um, I think it's three defeats, one win. I've only scored twice in those four games. That was against Newcastle. It's away from home where they're picking up their good results. Brentford have gone there and won. Man United, I think, and I think it might have been Tottenham. Um, but in saying that, I, I do think the absence of Nina, Decore and Calvert-Lewin um, is, is a little bit too much for Everton to win on Monday personally. I don't think they will, um, but I think it'll be 1-1. I think it'll be quite tight, um, not, not much between the two sides. So I'm going to go for 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one for you. Bowley, what's your prediction? Yeah, I agree. Hopefully we get a win, but... I think it's going to be a very close game and probably not the best spectacle to watch. But um, yeah, I'll probably go 1-1 as well. Mm, two 1-1s, Ben. What is your prediction? Um, I'm going to try and remain positive and go for a 1-0 win away from home. Back to the wall and we score on a counter-attack and uh, defend for our lives. Just hope to God Traore has an off day against Lucas Dean because I feel like his stats are going to go through the roof um, offensively. So no, fingers crossed we can get the job done. Mm, yeah, and I'm going to be a bit doom and gloom. I'm going to go for a 2-1 defeat on Monday. I just think the injuries are really catching up with us now and I think we're going to struggle. But anyway, we will be back Tuesday with all the talk and all the post-match analysis from that trip to Molyneux on Monday. In the meantime, have a great weekend and we'll see you Tuesday. Take care and all the very best. Thank you.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.